Chapter 6 Past Friends and Enemies Creatures crawled over Kaya's ship like bugs in a dirty kitchen. Some of them actually looked like descendants of bugs, but they all acted like soldiers. Soldiers who wore greasy coveralls and had blackened hands and faces. Dirty rags hung out of their pockets, and they carried heavy tools as weapons, though some had guns. They worked in teams of two, carefully searching the ship like they expected an ambush any minute. One of them with a scanner walked right up to us. The device beeped like crazy. I've got life form readings here, he shouted. Several of his fellows came to check it out. They looked over his shoulder at the meter, then looked straight at us. One of them said, Dude, there's nothing there. Check your scanner, said another. The tallest one, whom the others seemed to revere, said, It's mold. The ship is old and filthy. Recalibrate and move on. That seemed to satisfy everyone, and they scattered. When they went below decks, Kaya whispered, Recon, we'll stay here until their guard is down. The lights snapped on. They found the power switch. Eventually, each team returned to the deck. A gangway had been set up between Kaya's ship and the beast that ate us. On the pier-light landing, paced an older man who stood out as much for his cleanliness as his age. Beside him, a sneaky little creature hovered. He was clean, too, but carried none of the authority that his elder did. Actually, I think he might have been a she, though I couldn't say for sure. Hard to tell with its species. The leader of the greasy soldiers called to the clean one. Ship's clear! The old guy, who must have been the captain, swept on board Kaya's deck with more presence than I'd expect from a junk collector. Don't be so sure, he pronounced to his crew. He went straight to Kaya's secret closet and pulled a lever. As the door swung open, I heard Kaya swallow and felt her shift her weight ever so slightly. The captain disappeared into the closet while still lecturing. Zell was a man of many mysteries. I wouldn't be surprised if his ghost was on board. His crew gave each other a did-he-say-what-I-thought-he-said look. The one who spoke up before asked, Sir? The sir stepped back on deck. I know this ship. It belonged to Zelmoria. A wave of energy ran through the men as they turned from hardened space warriors to little kids about to meet their favorite sports hero. All except the little secretary guy, girl, whatever. Its interest peaked all right, but instead of bouncing with excitement, it focused more intently on the captain. Admiral Moria of the Morian Treasure? asked one of the crew. The very one, confirmed the old man. Then this ship is the Laco. The captain seemed infused with new vigor. Step lively, boys. You're walking on history. Step off, boys, or you'll be history. As everyone looked around to see where the voice came from, Kaya quickly whispered, Stay here, and ducked out from under the cape. A word to the wise, if a stunning but vicious-looking lady space pirate has the drop on you with a fully charged blast pistol, don't shoot at her. Several of the crew learned that lesson the hard way. Class started with a shot to Kaya's head. She sidestepped it, then blasted the guy's face. Before he fell, Kaya dive-rolled over, caught his body, and held him like a shield or a dance partner. Laser fire from the guy's friends ripped into his back. Kaya dipped him to avoid shots from behind then spun the man's body into those assailants. When she fired again, her pistol spit a hail of pellet-sized laser beams. No single pellet would kill a target, 
but the wide scatter would make a clump of her enemies very unhappy and unable to keep fighting. Amidst the skirmish, the old captain gawked at Kaya for a second. I thought he was looking at her hair like I was. It was mostly her normal light brown color, but the roots had gone black. Very weird, but apparently not what he was looking at, because he ordered his men to stand down. Those few still conscious obeyed immediately. Kaya dropped the body she was using as a shield. Thanks for the dance, she said as he hit the floor. Next time try not to shoot me in the head. She yelled that last part. I think she was making a point to everyone that she wouldn't have killed him if he hadn't shot first. Subtle pirate politics. Best not to anger the people you're going to ask for repairs. The captain said, Kaya? Little Kaya, is that you? Little Kaya? <laughs> yeah, like that was ever true. She looked more closely at the old man. Do I know you? My name is Klaus Stuber. I was a friend of your father. If you're a friend of my father, said Kaya, with a less than casual raise of her pistol, then you're no friend of mine. Kaya's dark tone matched her now all-black hair. Klaus didn't seem worried about Kaya shooting him, but before he could say anything, a voice came over his ship's speaker. Sir, I think you might want to see this. Klaus didn't take his eyes off Kaya. I'm a little busy at the moment. A head popped up behind the window, obviously the crewman Klaus was talking to. It's gone. He's putting on a show for the council. My heart jumped into my throat. He must have meant the Council of Pirates. Klaus asked Kaya, Do you mind if we just take a look? Knock yourself out. I think she meant it literally. He told the crewman to put it on the screen, and the window turned into a giant television. We were watching a live broadcast from Aneria. Kaya threw a look at me and ever so slightly shook her head. What did she mean? No, don't watch? No, don't come out from under the cape? No, don't scream, Daddy! When I saw him, I wasn't sure. But her hair had gone back to golden brown, which I was beginning to take as a good sign. I watched in silence. The Council of Pirates was less council and more pirate, especially the one they called Admiral Gon. He was a piece of work. He carried the weight of a man who enjoyed his luxuries, both in the excess flesh of his body and his elaborate clothes. Even in the heat of Aeneria's two sons, Gon decorated himself in a full admiral's uniform of his own creation, a heavy cutaway waistcoat over a long-sleeved shirt that might have once been white and pants of the same fabric, sodden yellow and gray. Under the coat, a bandolier of pistol batteries draped down to the gun itself, which was adorned with shimmering white contarian bone. Gon's boots came to just below the knee and were made of the same nano-leather as Kaya's pressure suit, but instead of moving about to help him in different G4 situations, his would twist and tangle into black-on-black -black images of horrific tortured figures, presumably for someone's amusement. The crewman was right. Admiral Gon was giving a show. The cameras never missed a chance to pan around his palace where the bodies of his victims hung on display. Their rotting corpses bore witness to the fate of those who doubted the power of his council. Gon started with the torture of an old man by the name of Nozalki. When this man appeared on the screen, seemingly the same age as our host but beaten and bloody, Klaus and his crew shuffled and shifted a bit. You know him, Kaya asked Klaus. It was just a yes or no question, but Klaus took his time answering. No, 
he said quietly, and went back to watching the show. Nozalki had the misfortune of being caught with a map of the galaxy. On it, a section was marked with a five-pointed star scribbled inside of a circle. This one little doodle would cost Nozalki his life. It's just a map! He had been hung by his wrists over a vat of some kind of squirming mass. Before the Council of Twelve Warlords was a crowd of thousands of cheering pirates watching Nozalki's torture in person. It didn't matter if he knew anything about the Morian treasure. It didn't matter if he confessed his crimes. He was a piece of entertainment to them, a distraction from their horrible lives provided by their charismatic leader, Admiral Gon. What does this mark stand for? demanded Gon, to the great delight of the crowd. He was pointing out the star on the map. Nothing you could understand, Gon played to the mob. It's a symbol of the Morian treasure. It's the symbol for the Virgin of the Apocalypse. Same thing. Gon practically shoved the map in the poor man's face. Where's this system? Nozalki said nothing, but gave the admiral a look of unshakable determination. Gon turned to a pirate that controlled the block-and-tackle rig that held Nozalki. Get his feet wet. The pirate loosened the ropes a bit, dipping the old man's feet into the vat of what turned out to be flesh-eating bugs. They were small, but not so much that you couldn't see their exposed teeth tear into his skin. As Nozalki screamed, the crowd cheered. Gon's casual words carried over the noise by the power of his microphone. Painful, isn't it? Being eaten alive. He took a closer look at the bugs, and so did the camera. Look how they don't bite all the way through, but tear out the flesh one little bite at a time. Gon looked into the camera. I think that's what hurts the most. Don't you? The crowd answered him with shouts of laughter. Somewhere there must have been a big screen amplifying the image for them. Gon looked up at Nozalki, who clenched his teeth so hard I could see the strain in his jaw all the way to the top of his head. Does it hurt? Tell me why you've marked this map with the star, and you can keep what's left of your legs. I can make the pain go away. Just point me to where this map begins. Knowing your future eases my pain. I have one thing to say for this Nozalki guy. He knew how to make Gon mad. Without regard to the interrogation, Gon pulled out a knife and cut the rope holding Nozalki above the vat. I'll solve it myself. Nozalki fell into the ravenous bugs. His screams were horrible. I closed my eyes, but that didn't shut out the joyous shouts of the crowd. They cheered as the poor old man was ripped apart and eaten piece by tiny piece. The images in my mind were worse than the real thing, so I looked back to see Gon stare into Nozalki's eyes like he had conquered him. But just before his life drained away, the man smiled back at Gon. His pain was over, and Gon had learned nothing. The men on Kloss's ship did not cheer. They did not react at all, which spoke volumes. They had to have known this man, Nozalki, but fear of Gon was so deep that even light years away from him, they didn't dare disapprove. That's enough. Turn it off. Wait! I don't know when I dropped the cloak. All I knew was Nozalki was just the opening act, and I had a feeling. I knew the headliner.
Okay, so coming out of hiding might not have been the best idea I ever had. Klaus and his crew looked at me like a pack of hungry wolves. I think the video they'd just watched had their blood up. I was saved by, of all people, Admiral Gon. On the screen, he called out, Who's next? And Klaus's men forgot about me for a moment. One of the warlords at the council's table stood to announce, Sir Janus Alatus. And there he was, my dad. I might have gasped a little bit on first seeing him. Klaus looked back at me, then asked Kaya, You know him? No, lied Kaya in the same way Klaus lied to her. She gave him a conspiratorial look, and they turned to watch the screen where the camera focused on Dad. He had been badly beaten. His guard had thrown him to the ground. Dirt stuck to the blood around his eyes and along one cheek. But he struggled to his feet and stood before the council. I wanted to go to him. I wanted to scream. I wanted to cry. But then I saw him lift his head to those bloodthirsty pirates and hold himself with such dignity that I wanted to shout out to the universe with pride, That's my daddy! I couldn't do any of that, of course. Kaya tried to throw a look my way. But I was right behind her, so all she could manage was a bow of her head. Then she put her hand down behind her thigh with her palm open, facing me. And I got the message. Easy, girl. I knew. It was hard. But I knew. Then another warlord stood. Who brings this man before the council? I do. Derek stepped from the crowd. He dressed up for the occasion, but his adolescent swagger juxtaposed to Dad's regal manner made me wonder what I ever saw in him. The fact that he turned Dad over to a court that was going to sentence him to death didn't help his case either. The standing warlord continued the ceremony. To what end have you brought this man before the council? He is an enemy of the people. I seek his death. And my reward. The crowd loved it. Turns out Derek played them almost as well as Admiral Gon, who now stepped up to him in a casual way. It's been a long time, Derek. How is your ghost ship? I have a new ship now. Full crew, Derek said with a pride that made him look foolish. He was talking to warlords. They had entire planets under their command. Derek's one ship wasn't going to impress them. Gon toyed with him. So you've become a real captain. You always were ambitious. You say that like it's a bad thing. Ambition is to be respected. So long as it doesn't make you an enemy. No enemies of yours, my admiral. Derek then turned to the council. Though your lesser warlords might want to watch their backs. The crowd ooed at the challenge. Gon tabled the matter. Duly noted and well-respected, Derek. Then he added in a private sort of way, I hope your ambition has not taken you from your other duties. In this case, they were one and the same. How fortunate for you. I thought there might have been a threat implied, but I had no idea what they were talking about. The crowd didn't seem to know either, as they began to shift restlessly. The familiarity Gon showed Derek did raise his pirate credentials, though. I could tell by the way people looked at their feet when he made eye contact with them. He was becoming someone to be feared. Gon must have felt this, too. He changed the subject to take the spotlight off the young up-and-comer. You've brought us a celebrity. The Admiral stood face to face with Dad, dismissing Derek without ceremony. Sir Janus Alatus. Admiral Gon, 
Dad was trying to be all cool and polite, but I could tell he was hurting. Physically. His gestures weren't right. He wasn't using his left arm at all. I don't know who beat him or when, but they did a thorough job, and every bruise on his body became a tear I had to hold back. What can I do for you? Help me find a treasure. The crowd gasped. They knew who Dad was. They knew that for years he had been trying to open negotiations between the Coalition of Merchant Planets and the Council of Pirates. They knew that he was the enemy personified. They didn't know that he was interested in treasure. You! You're looking for the Morian treasure? I'm searching for the treasure of peace. <laughs> Keep looking. Oh, I've found it. For peace can only be found in the heart of your enemy. Gone could spar with the best of them. Hearts beat. Blood pumps. The only peaceful heart you'll find is one that's still. He'd played to this crowd, and they responded. The camera cut to them as they jeered Dad with such anger that I thought they might riot. Their shouts were deafening. I felt so bad for Dad. This was his big moment, and he was blowing it. Then his voice boomed over the clamor of the mob. I speak of a peaceful soul. They got quiet, scary quiet, like Dad had just said he knows a secret they've been living with. And if they weren't careful, he'd expose them for it. He had their attention. What have we learned from our journeys through space and time? The Admiral settled into his seat in front of the Council's table. He seemed content to listen. What have we learned from those who have witnessed the dimension that lurks just beyond our thin facade of time? The dimension where all things are connected. Where everything is possible and impossible at the same time. Somewhere in time, you stand here as I do now. Waiting for that man, he nodded toward Gon, to pass judgment on you. And you are gone. We are all one. Somewhere in time, you sit in his chair. You have his power over life and death. You will pass judgment on me. You will pass judgment on yourself. If he sentences me to death, then so have you. If he sentences me to death, then he has sentenced you as well. We are all one. Dad walked around a particular pirate, a young man nearing the end of his first quarter of life. But he had a solemn look about him. Dad spoke just to him, but knew that the microphones and cameras would carry his message to the pirates everywhere. You will find the treasure of a peaceful soul when you treat me, when you treat everyone as you would yourself. The pirate didn't say anything, and for a minute I thought Dad might have won him over. Then he lifted his head and spit in Dad's face. The crowd cheered. From everywhere, rotten food, garbage, and even feces flew at Dad. It was horrible. The people nearest him moved away to avoid being hit. The ones further away moved closer for a better shot with their rubbish. Dad stood with dignity with the pile of muck growing at the feet of his frail and beaten body. He asked Gon, Of what crime am I accused? Blasphemy! shouted Gon, as if it was the first thing to come to his mind. 
Blasphemy against what god? Gon just sneered and put out his hands as if to say, Me, of course. The crowd cheered wildly. When he stood and spread his arms wider, they cheered for more. When he stepped on the table with his arms lifted high, their noise became primal, driving music to which they danced. They danced themselves into a euphoric haze. The camera showed them flailing their arms, stomping their feet, and acting like animals. But not everyone was under Gon's spell. All the crazy movements served to highlight people who were not caught up in the fever. About one of every ten stuck out, like islands in a living sea of movement. For his part, Dad made a slow circle where he stood, making eye contact with those islands. He gave them the slightest bow of his head and a glint of his eye. That was all he dared do. Any more would have gotten them in deeper trouble than they already risked. It was just enough to let both sides know. Message received and understood. When Dad finished his circle, he announced, If embracing peace is blasphemy, then I am guilty. No one there could hear him, so he wasn't trying to outshout them. Instead, he spoke for the cameras. The screaming mob made an unforgettable contrasting backdrop. I am guilty of sins against your God, but in service to us all. I got a melancholy feeling. Dad wasn't guilty of anything, except maybe being a little overdramatic. But I knew he had dreamed of this moment, and how many people get to die exactly the way they want to. Lock him away, screamed Gon, who also seemed to be enjoying himself. Prepare him for execution at the Festival of the Suns. The cameras pulled back to show the crowd still in ecstasy, then faded to black on what would be the last time I'd ever see my dad. At least, that's what I thought. I could use a drink, Kloss said. He turned to Kaya. Join me? Sure. Her tone was neither friendly nor cordial. Kaya followed Kloss toward the gangway. I didn't know what to do. His crew was still on board. Should I hide in the closet? Should I stay where I was? Hide in my room? Then Kaya stopped and turned back to me. You coming? That answered that question. I grabbed my cape and ran to catch up. By the time I got to Kaya, the once mother-of-pearl white shimmery fabric turned a flat black color in my hands. It looked and sort of felt like charcoal. Kaya took a hold of it. Better let me take that. I let go. What's wrong with it? Not it. You. Kaya carried it as discreetly as possible. I saw it turn dark blue with swirls of gray. Me! I tried for an explanation, but Kaya moved on, following Kloss towards the promised drink. Back home, Kloss's ship could have passed as a repair shop. On our way to his office, we passed machine parts, computer parts, parts of parts, tools, gunk, junk, and old pictures of half-naked female aliens tacked onto bulletin boards that reeked of neglect. With each step, Kaya's countenance changed. Gon's performance had put a cloud over all our heads. But as we walked, Kaya turned dark and stormy. In contrast to the rest of his ship, Kloss's office was tame. A worn-out couch, modest desk, some filing cabinets, and a very nice bar. Kaya's mood put a chill in the room. She didn't say a word. I didn't either. But out of fear, 
not the kinds of issues Kaya was dealing with. If Kloss had been a lesser man, he'd have bantered about the weather in space or some other inane subject to avert us from Kaya's demeanor. To his credit, he didn't. I surprised myself by being the first one to break the silence when I thanked the captain for the drink he handed me. You're quite welcome. I think my manners surprised him. What can I say? Force of habit. I was shocked that he'd offered me a drink. Where I came from, kids my age didn't get included on libations. We had to sneak them out of the house for parties and such. Not that I ever did. This would be my first. Kloss gave Kaya a glass and raised his own in a toast. May time bring you peace. And mercy to you, I echoed out of reflex. Again, Kloss seemed taken aback. He nodded a look of respect my way, and all three of us drank. If you have any doubt about how tough space pirates are, drink with them. I thought my eyes would shoot out of my head and squish against the far wall. My throat burned and the fire spread to my lungs. I looked over to Kaya, expecting to see her spit this poison across the room, but no. She downed her drink with no reaction at all, then held her glass out for more. Kloss poured her a big shot, which she didn't gulp but sipped, as she looked at her ship in the capture bay clearly visible through the large window. Your hair used to go blonde when you were excited. Yeah, well, I wouldn't know. When you got angry, it would turn black as empty space. It still does. I was kind of excited not to be the only one to have noticed, but Kaya shot me the meanest look, so I shut up. She went back to staring at her ship. That's how I knew it was you. Kaya tried to change the subject. If you can get that cotton to the clone air system... It'll more than pay for my repairs. Give them a fair price. They're good people. Kloss would have none of this. Repairs to the Laco are being paid by my loyalty to your father. Enough about him. Kaya. The man had my memory wiped. Do you know why? I had my memory wiped, you idiot. Of course I don't know why. I don't even know who he was. All he left me was some vague recollection of how to walk. With all that had gone before us, this was the first time I'd seen Kaya lose her cool. Her hair was now black with streaks of gray, and her pacing around the room landed her right next to me. She was armed, dangerous, angry, and drinking, all which made me more than a little nervous. She downed her glass. I didn't know what to say, but... Your dad wiped your memory? When were you going to tell me this? It's not something that comes up in casual conversation. Your father was a great admiral. He created the Council of Pirates. Yeah, yeah, great man. He organized a bunch of thieves and murderers. He brought order where there was chaos. I'll not listen to slander. I didn't like the way this conversation was going. If these two lost their tempers, it would get seriously ugly. But I didn't know what to say. Then, to my horror, Kaya looked at me like, I don't know. She seemed to say with a look that she was sorry I had to see this, and at the same time, there was a hint that she needed my help. My dad would hate your dad. I didn't know where that came from, but it seemed to diffuse the situation. Not as much as I do, kid. I suppose, then, Claus started, but let that hang in the air as he went over to a bookshelf, stuffed to the gills with paper and junk. He reached into a small mountain of ledgers, receipts, cheap novels, and magazines, then finished his sentence. You're not interested in this. He pulled out a tattered old box. Kaya looked at it as if some poisonous little beast might jump out, which for her meant casual caution. 
What is it? Some things your father asked me to give you. Why you? Are you my uncle or something? Taya's eyes never left the package. Just a friend. I was on your father's crew. Goody for you. What's in the box? Kloss opened it to reveal a crude metal badge, a little pointed pentagram with a circle around it. It was uneven as if someone had drawn it instead of casting it in gray and black metal. The lower left point of the star stuck a bit outside of the circle, as did the top. The others just touched its edge. All in all, the badge looked worthless and exactly like the doodle that cost Nozalki his life. Oh, now I'm impressed. She didn't sound like it. You should be. That badge was a symbol of your father's power. It might open a few doors for you. Kaya pretended like she didn't care about the badge, but she pinned it to her outfit anyway. What else? Just this. Hidden in a fold of the dilapidated little box was a small vial. Kloss dug it out of its hiding place and offered it to Kaya. She didn't move. What is it? It's your memory. Now Kaya was interested. She took the vial. It was small, about the size of a sleeper, and held a teardrop's worth of liquid. How is that possible? It's an RNA virus, genetically engineered to bond with your cells. Kaya discovered it had a top and a hypodermic needle. This is my memory? That's a common misconception. Actually, your memory isn't gone. It's just been disconnected. And this will plug it back in. Prick your finger with that and you'll be infected with your past. Forget her finger. Kaya popped the top of the capsule and was about to jam the little needle into her neck. Kaya, wait! That could be... You don't know this guy. What if... What if what? She asked and stabbed herself in the neck with a tiny needle. How long does it... Her eyes filled with fear and her hair went white. She turned to me and her look of helplessness was complete. Kaya, the woman who was in control of everything and knew no fear, looked at me, a girl in control of nothing who knew only fear, in a last gasp plea for help. What could I do? Nothing. That was what. She fell into my arms, her life slipping away. Her body was limp. I couldn't hold her and was dragged to the floor by her weight. With her last bit of strength, she grabbed me and whispered her final words. Abandoned ship. 